everyone. This is Father Colin here. Super happy to have you. And because today I forgot to turn on the live stream because um, more parishioners were gone that normally run the live stream on Sunday mornings, and I forgot to tell anybody about that. I'm going to just kind of walk through my homily really brief here, and then I'm going to go into the <clears throat> episode, the kind of objective teaching episode. So today on the 23rd Sunday of Ordinary Time, um, <clears throat> We have these readings from both Isaiah, the book of the prophet Isaiah, about, you know, uh, loosening the tongue, right? These uh, and, and being able to give hearing to the deaf. We also have this image, this beautiful image of streams coming out of thirsty ground. And then also we have this gospel reading from Mark about Jesus healing the man who is mute and deaf. It's really kind of going into this image of Jesus unlocking the heart, right? Unlocking the heart to be able to speak what it needs to speak about its delight in itself, that it's a creature of God, a son of God, and to be able to give praise and thanksgiving in front of that. <clears throat> so this week, you know, the there's a there's an image that I found recently that I thought was uh, particularly pertinent. It comes from uh, C.S. Lewis's uh, Narnia series, right? The in particular, the book, The Silver Chair. At the beginning of this book, we have Jill and Eustace, right? Eustace is a recurring character, but Jill is new on the scene for the narrative. In this particular book, the starting of it, where we find Jill and Eustace is in a boarding school surrounded by a lot of bullies. And they are in the scene and they're trying to escape from these bullies that are coming at them. And uh, they, they feel hemmed in. They don't know where to go. There's just a hedge. And then there's the school and they want to escape. And so Eustace, because of his previous experience, right, in Narnia, starts calling out Aslan, Aslan, Aslan. And they scurry up an embankment beyond some trees. And there's miraculously, there's a door there. And they walk through the door and they're in this different land. Jill asks, uh, sees Aslan, right? And she doesn't know him, though. Eustace does, but she doesn't know him. And Aslan says to her and to Eustace that he has called them for a task she was in a mission. And she responds to him saying that they were the ones calling on him. He wasn't calling on them, in which he has a famous reply. You would not have called me, called out to me unless I had been calling to you. There's an insight here. And that, and that is this, is that personal salvation is always linked to a mission. And in particular, it's being called on to this mission, being called into a mission, someone else's mission that ends up being my own personal salvation. So as I was saying at Mass earlier, and then this kind of sermon outside of Mass, which is just the same thing I was saying before, is that I'm going to be starting a homily series. And the homily series is starting today. This is kind of the introduction to it. Um, so this is week one of five. And this homily series is on the Mass. And in particular... I'm praying the Mass, how to pray the Mass from your experience as a layman. So I'm not going to be giving, except for this one week, I'm not going to be giving homilies per se. I'm actually going to be pausing during the Mass, and I'm going to be explaining different aspects that we see and are experiencing. So there's not going to be a homily proper. It's going to be mostly teaching, so teaching Masses. So there's going to be four of them, splitting the Mass up into four parts, therefore, 
And the method I'm going to be using is see, understand, and how to act. Why that method? Why do I want to point out what we're seeing? Why do I want us to help us to understand? And what does it mean to know what to do? First off, with seeing, right, we, we have these gestures, words, and symbols that are in the mass. And they mean something, and they mean something for us. Right? There are these symbols, these experiences, and we need to actually have an encounter with them. The understanding aspect of that is that I need to understand on the subjective level how this incorporates itself into my life. What does this mean for my life? How do, what does this evoke in me? What is it meant to evoke in me? What understanding, what knowledge comes from this? And the how to act isn't just like the gesture or the response that I have at Mass, although that is important, is deeply important, actually. But what is the interior action I need to take? What is the interior action that this implies? So I'm going to be going into those. So I'm going to be using that method of see, understand, and how to act around the gestures, words, and symbols. And it won't be exhaustive. I can't be exhaustive at this, right, to keep Mass in a normal time, time limit. I can't be exhaustive. So I'll be offering resources. And also because at mass, I'm going to be going into the subjective experience or the personalistic experience from your point of view about what's happening. I also need to be able to give the objective reality. So I'll be putting on these podcasts, right? These podcast episodes each week to explain objectively what I'm talking about. What's the mechanics, theological mechanics of mass, as it were, why is that? Because without the objective, the subjective has nowhere to put itself. We need to have both the personal and the objective experiences walking hand in hand. And they'll be posted on Flocknote. Initially, I was going to do videos, but I thought, you know, it'd be easier for us if these were on podcasts because you can pause and stop and go back more easily if it was on a podcast. So at Mass, again, I'm going to be going through the personalistic side. And then during the podcasts, I'm going to be talking about the objective mechanics of what's happening. What is Jesus doing? So why do this? <clears throat> Two weeks ago, I had my first experience of something miraculous. And what is this miraculous thing? I was at Mass, Sunday Mass, both the Vigil and the 10 a.m. Two weekends ago. And I had the experience both times of being able to pray the Mass. And it was so beautiful. Some priests, it takes them 10 years. right? I, I, still, I still think that'll happen for me as far as with regularity. But the ability to pray the Mass is so beautiful because it is the greatest prayer of the church. It's the greatest prayer of Jesus that we have. And so I, I just had this movement in my heart. I just wanted you to experience what I'm experiencing, to be with me in prayer, right? That we can be together uh, in prayer with Jesus, Jesus offering himself to the Father. So I want you, in other words, I just have a love for you. I just want you to like experience what I experience. And that came in prayer at mass because I wasn't performing. I was just praying. And that's like one of the hard things about being a priest sometimes is that you can be such in such a performative mode to make a certain experience feel or uh, seem a certain way. And you really lose out on what's actually happening. It's hard to enter into it. So I want you to be able to enter into the mass with me. I was talking about prayer. And so as far as prayer is concerned, right, Mass being the greatest prayer of the church, we should probably ask the question of what is prayer in the first place? I think a lot of us, I don't want to like 
assume or, or make too many assumptions. I, I know that there are many, 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 many people at St. Anne's who have an experience of praying deeply the Mass, right? And, and have these beautiful encounters with God and hearing his voice and his love for them. But there are also many of us who don't, who this may be new or we need to be reawakened to it. And welcome to the club, all right? We always need, can discover something new and beautiful. The Lord is really calling us to something deeper. But in order to do that, we have to talk about prayer itself, like just some of the basics. What is prayer? I think there can be a common misconception or uh, impression that prayer is the experience of me making petitions or asking for things, right? Lord, like I, I need this job. Lord, I need to do well on this test. Uh, Lord, take care of this relationship. Uh, Lord, heal me. I, I'm ill. I have cancer or whatever, right? Those things are good and holy, and I am not de denigrating those prayers because they are prayer but it's only one kind of prayer and it's also meant to lead to something deeper right so what is prayer at its root the best way that i can sum up prayer is the time that i open myself up to god and receive his love and his words or even more precisely it's the time where god searches me out and gives me his love and gives me his words where he opens me up i don't have to do the work i don't have to do the heavy lifting and i just put myself in prayer in silence in real silence and ask the lord lord help me be aware of you help me be open to you that's his work he's working on you it comes from like you know romans 8 right we do not know how to pray as we ought not as a judgment paul doesn't say that as a judgment he says that as a consolation and then he goes on to say in romans 8 you know, the spirit gives power and words and groanings in the way that we don't know how to. He gives us his very energy in his life. The spirit is constantly prompting us to simply receive the love of the heavenly father through Jesus. So, this is, so basically we can say that prayer is receiving love. And that's what allows me to sit in silence, right? I can just cry out with my heart, cry out with my need. And also asking the Lord, Lord, you. What do you think? Tell me. Tell me what your words of love are. So again, Mass is the greatest prayer. And again, it's the work of Jesus. Just like our own personal prayer is the Holy Spirit opening us up, right? Because God is always present, wanting to speak to us, right? Receiving his love minute by minute, day in and day out. Jesus opens us up, right? Or Jesus gives us this love. And Mass is like personal prayer in that sense. He's doing the work, but even more intensely. Why? Because Mass is Christ's prayer, right? Mass is Christ's prayer. When it says in the gospel, at the end of the gospel, he does all things well, right? Look at him. He does all things well. It's this gratitude. We feel ourselves to be regenerated, to, to be reminded again, to experience because of this love that's present before us again. He's calling out in love. Our heart gets awakened. And we can respond in this praise and this thanksgiving. We can adore and simply because we can adore and we can give thanks because we have been loved. That's prayer. And, it, and it's so simple. And he starts it in us. And what happens? Yeah, it's like our response is like we just erupt in joy or erupt in gratitude 
or erupt in this kind of wild tranquility or peace where we're very calm and stable and say, and we just say, thank you. It's like the man today, the situation that we read in the gospel today. So how does this work? What is the why? What is the mass? You know, the mass <clears throat> is the time when Jesus is making his own prayer to the father. He's linking the last supper do this in memory of me. Memory meaning it's not like our memory. It's in, for the Jewish context, memory means being present again. It's a representation. It's the Last Supper being represented, the cross being represented, the Calvary experience, the passion of Jesus, the gift of his self, right? The gift of his life that fills up all the places of brokenness and woundedness and conquers death. It, the place that sets us free, his gift of his own human life allows for his divine life to conquer death. And he linked that experience of the passion on Calvary with the ritual of, la of the Last Supper. At Mass, we're being presented again before those things. So Jesus is out of love, giving himself totally to us. And he's bringing us up into that prayer, taking our prayers and incorporating them himself into them. The passion that we live, the trials that we live, the joys that we live, all of those things that he comes into and he recapitulates them into his own great offering 2000 years ago, which is present again at mass. His gift to, to the heavenly father. We are brought up into that. In other words, the work of Jesus is still going on, right? The work of Jesus is still going on at Mass, and we're entering into that. So with that, I'm going to pause here with this homily and this little sermon, right? Just ask us to kind of remind ourselves about the image of Aslan saying, you would not have known how to call me unless I was calling you first. It's just like that at Mass, just like that in our own prayer. The Lord, the Holy Spirit is being given to us to open our hearts to make us be able to hear, to help us to be able to speak. He's giving us this, his words, he's charging our own words with his own power. And he's bringing us before Jesus. So Jesus can shower upon us the love of the Father, the Heavenly Father. Again, you would not have known how to call out to me unless I was first calling you. The Mass is both the origin point and the destination of our whole life. The Mass is the, both the destination and the origin point of our whole life. So let us cry out. <laughs>